In this episode, we discuss our favorite products and trends revealed at the 2024 CES Expo in Las Vegas, Nevada. This is Twitter. Hey folks, welcome back to our first joint 2024 episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me today is my co-host, Alistair Jolly. We're gonna be discussing some of our favorite announcements coming out of the recently concluded, as of last week, CES Expo 2024. Lots of interesting stuff and a lot of stuff omitted or, you know, or a lot of areas of activity weren't very active. Alistair, Happy New Year. Welcome back, man. How's it going? Hey, Frederick. How are you? Good to see you. Great. Yeah. Good, to good, see good, you good. Back on the show. You, uh, Excited to be here. How did here. you feel? How did you feel about this expo? Like looking at it um, or this this recent one? You remember CES of years gone by used to be like, I mean, it used to be like Macworld. Apple used to exhibit at CES back That's in right. the day. It used yeah. to be the, the thing to get hip on all the new newness and now it's it didn't really feel like that it felt for me it felt a little and every year feels like it's a little vertically oriented now like before a couple of years ago it was crypto and then before that it was 360 tvs and later it was uh what was it um nfts and all that and VR and now this year it's AI. We have a new new acronym and not a whole lot of photography stuff. There's a couple I put on the list for us to talk about, but not a whole lot. What, what do you think about that? Or did I did I miss did I miss a whole expo hall or something? That, that was a great that was a great summary. Thanks. That was a great conversation. That was it. Uh, my my number one feeling from CS this year was uh, underwhelmed. Yeah, there was yeah there was just nothing super exciting. Maybe we're just getting too used to you know, incredible technology moving at a, a fast pace. That that fast pace was all about AI. That's, you know, everything was AI. It was all about every brand announcing their either, you know, new AI feature or stepping into AI or announcing something coming soon. But from a photographer perspective, there, there was just nothing. There was nothing that blew my socks off. It wasn't even any good teases that, you know, things to come. Um, so, yeah, a little bit a little bit flat after CES. Yeah, I agree. And, I, you know, I kind of think about it. You know, like Steve Jobs used to say, we don't know what we don't know. Or I don't know. Who was it? We don't know what we don't need or whatever. Something to that effect. And... You know, I look around at the sort of the state of technology in my life right now, the things that I use on a daily basis, all the tools that that let me get the, get what I need to get done done, and I don't feel like I'm wanting in a whole lot of areas like, "Oh, my life would be complete if I only had this." Yeah. Right? I mean, we've got these super cameras that and little glass and our computers with in processors in them and I mean, like what are what do you need, Alistair, as a photographer? Like what were you like? Oh, I wish Fuji would have come out with the so and so thing that would have made my life amazing, but they didn't. So I'm sad. Like, was there anything? <laughs> like the one thing I think many of us would say that we really need is time. Like that's yeah. the thing that's missing. I have all the toys, I have all the tools, I have all the power, all the processing. I have it all. Yeah. Yep. physically need time to go do it. And that, you know, that's, that's not the tech companies, um, 
solution, you know, job to to find a solution for that. But yeah, that's that's what I need. I'm not sitting here wishing someone would launch an exact thing. The the Pixel War is done. Like for years, we've sat around saying, "Oh, I wish the the you know the pixels were bigger. I wish the sensor was bigger. I wish the the resolution was better." For me, that's done. Like for for the last good number of years, that battle is over. Right, we're not sitting around waiting for somebody launching, um, the you know the, a better sensor that we desperately need. Like we're always going to enjoy an improvement in, you know, sensor technology. But you know, there's nothing holding me back now other than time. So I guess yeah, that's maybe that's that's it. Maybe I'm not excited about the expectation of something that's going to radically change my life. Um, do you know, f- funny, I have a conversation with someone recently about, you know, our our kids' generation. What is it that's really going to blow their socks off? You know, technology is moving at such a pace. You know, you and I were blown away with 1080p resolution on the telly. That was incredible. And then 4K came along. What is it that's going to blow the socks off kids nowadays? It's going to have to be something like teleporting or something, you know, something that we can't even imagine because... You know what? What is there that they can't already foresee uh, or already have? You know the the computers they have in their pockets. You know, just incredible nowadays. So it's going to have to be something pretty uh, behemoth to to get the kids excited. So I'm not surprised that you and I are kind of a little bit flat after last week, hoping that something magical was going to be announced when there wasn't really anything there. Yeah, there there wasn't. Yeah, well said. Yeah, I think yeah, you hit it right on the head. The the gift of time, right? That's the that's the thing that we're we're all missing, um, or that's the one thing you can't get more of or get back, right? It's that precious commodity. But the but to that end, I don't know. I I feel like like kids today, like mine, are they've grown up sort of marinating in technology, right? My my daughter was speaking to the A-L-E-X-A thing, you know, amongst her first words. She was having conversations with, with that thing. So since she's been alive, she's been understanding and kind of internalizing what an AI is and what a personal assistant is. <clears throat> I think from that lens, for those people, the next level would be simplification, right? Because you and I, before we started, we were talking about that new Rabbit device that was mm. announced at CES. I want to talk about that a little bit, not too much. But that thing, it's a handheld device that purports to, you know, make be the, the next version of how we interact with data. Like it's going to replace our phones because the, just from a high level, I encourage you, I'll link to the, to the video in the show notes, but I encourage people that are listening and watching, watching this to go check out their announcement video. But it was essentially, this is an oversimplification, but it has created a language model or a model that sits atop your applications on your phone, whether you're on Android or iOS or whatever, so that then you can now speak to this device and it will go do things to the accounts that you, or do things with the accounts that you're authenticated against. So kind of like yeah. a, an, an in-between, like an Ask Jeeves back in the day where, hey, I just want you to do this and it'll just spin up and go, oh, I have access to Frederick's TripIt, so I can do this. I have access to Frederick's whatever, you know, Expedia, so I can book tickets and do all the things. So I think that's one of the next steps, right? The the simplification, 
yeah, we, we live in this attention deficit economy, like give us some of our attention back. That's one. And then, you know, the other side is, I think you and I talked about it a while back when we, under the context of the swing back towards film and simpler things that are easier to authenticate than like trying to figure out if an AI image is real or not. Here's, mm -hmm. here's a negative and here's a print that I made. It's one of one, it is an NFT in and of itself. Here you go, <laughs> right? So that, you can't discount that. And you came from, you were born of that world, right? I mean, you, we, before we started, you were talking about how you used to shoot film on Hasselblad, doing weddings on Hasselblad. That's the real yep. deal, right? Don't you feel like a shift back to that might inject some much needed authenticity into the conversation or I don't know, or is it just too much of a pain in the butt to go back to film? Oh, well, I, I think it's a pain in the butt going back to film. I, th I find it a pain in the butt going back to vinyl, but my son's fanatical about vinyl at the moment. We're seeing this huge growth in analog photography, uh, which we've spoke about on previous episodes. Um, you and I were even talking recently about, you know, there's a huge growth in uh, people trying to find analog typewriters and typing physical letters to send to people. Um, and I wonder if it's just a way of, um, you know, separating, your, separating yourself from the noise. Like right now, if you were to type a letter and send it to someone, you'd be one of the few people doing that. So you'd be unique in a sense doing that. So I think there's, uh, you know, a, a, a push to be unique using more traditional um, technology. But also I think there's a longing for that, you know, physical analog hands-on creativity that we, we had for many, many years. Um, yeah. So I think that's where the, where that's coming from. Uh, no, I have no desperate rush to go back to to uh, film. Uh, I have no desperate rush to spend the type of money you have to spend nowadays to get a roll of film processed and developed. Um, but, you know, I, I've been through that. I've been there. I've, I've done that part. Um, I don't have a, a desperate need to try it or, or do it again, but I can certainly understand why, you know, the, there's a there's a growing genre of people going back to that. There's nothing more magical than taking a piece of, you know, taking a photograph, taking a piece of white paper, putting it in some chemicals and watching a picture appear. Like, I don't think... Yeah people, unless they've done it, can physically grasp just how magical that is to see a picture appear on a white piece of paper. And then if it's your first exposure, typically disappear again as it <laughs> gets completely overexposed. But, um, you know, it's still pretty magical for a few seconds as the picture appears on, on that white you know piece of paper when you're in the dark room. Um, but yeah, the the rabbit AI thing, you know that it's interesting. Like digital assistant type technology, will it get us time back? Computers were meant to give humans the gift of time, right? That's why we invented computers, and it didn't work. It hasn't given us the gift of time. It's just you know, in many ways, sucked time from us. What is is AI going to change the that the nature of things? Are we just going to fill that gap with more? technology rather than using that gift of time to go do something creative. Um, yeah. A little bit skeptical about how something like the rabbit might, might weave itself in there. And then, you know, how long it, it's, it, it's another device, right? The rabbit's a, a physical piece of hardware, which I was surprised at. When, you know, when we were seeing announcements about having a digital assistant that can do all these things with all your apps and then to realize it was a physical piece of hardware, that kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, 
but sh you know surely that's going to get swallowed up quickly quickly by the you know the 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 hardware manufacturers just building it into their own hardware eventually yeah and that's that's where i come in now because i i look at what rabbit is trying to do which they're like again their demo is fantastic and it's like they they managed to reignite that steve jobs reality distortion feel a little bit when you're watching it you're like where's my credit card i need to get this thing you know and it's only 200 bucks that's the other thing so you know price perception or race to the bottom but um yeah looking at that and then looking at my first one of the picks that i have for the ces roundup is well just a couple of things is apple announced their release date for the apple vision pro which is going to be next mm -hmm. month as we record this in february 2024 which is interesting again 30 or three thousand dollars some odd device which is going to push it up to elites reviewers and developers right for now and then yep. the trickle down hopefully there'll be a cheaper device later which we'll see but that was interesting interesting uh and then the other piece of it along with that release date with sony threw their hat in the ring right and yep. they're of course right every time <laughs> every time apple releases something sony comes out with something similar especially their big, spatial right? like, what was it spatial content creation system yes the sccs yes, <laughs> yes yeah yeah, so spatial is the buzzword for 2024, <laughs> I'm guessing, right? Everything's going to be spatial yeah. or AI or Spatial awareness, spatial models. sound, spatial visuals, spatial sound, spatial this, spatial that. All, um, all of it. You know, when you're saying you were, you were desperately reaching, you wanted to reach for your credit card to buy the, the rabbit, are you desperately reaching for your credit, credit card to buy the... Uh, no. The Apple Vision Pros at three and a half K. No, no, I can't. I cannot justify uh, buying that right now. But you know, I said the same thing about many other technologies that yeah. I now so, own. so, so who is gonna who is gonna justify it? Who are who? Who's the early adopters? Okay, the tech review world. They're all gonna, you know, they're all gonna get them to to review whether they buy their own or or get samples or whatever um but where where's the actual use case where's the who are the who are the first adopters are going to put down hard cash for this thing yeah that's the thing that's the thing because we're a we're a two meta quest household and we have two meta quests that haven't been used in a long time right we we used them a lot when we first got them nicole was playing uh, what's that? Beat Saber daily, oh, yeah. you know, and I and I'm just kind of roaming around watching movies and hanging out in there, and the the shine wore off, right? And I think a lot of that shine wore off because of the how uncomfortable that particular device is. Who knows what Apple's is going to be, right? But that one over time. For me, at least, the way my head is shaped, I, it just got uncomfortable and sweaty and just, you know, and then the little disorientations like, OK, this is fun, mm -hmm. but I can't do it. If I can't see spending my entire work day with a headset on at this point. No, not that imagine. headset. Maybe Apple's headset will be something different. Maybe it's got an air conditioner in there. Yeah. Or <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> be interesting to know. see what they do with um, with the, the, you know, this kind of um, motion uh, sickness, nausea type thing that people get yeah. with typically with headsets. You know, we, we've got we've got the the Meta Quest in the house. You know, a four four person household, half of which feel nauseous after ten minutes. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it'll be interesting to see how the. Um, I'm sure Apple might you know will have some approach to to lessening that, but for me, 
I think the question who's who's going to be you know to answer the question about who's going to be the early adopters on day one that are actually going to use it for something. I think it's probably going to be those um, you know commercial entities that are looking to view construction sites, engineering, uh, the movie makers trying to 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 use it in that sense from this kind of spatial uh, awareness, use of space, spatial visualization of, of creative technologies. And I think that's where Sony's announcement sits squarely. I think they are going after the, the high-end engineering type solution. When you, when you, uh, did you watch their video where they're sitting in the Formula One mm-hmm. car building yeah. the steering wheel? It's, it's plastered with Red Bull all over the video. <laughs> Red Bull, Red Bull are partners with Siemens in the Formula One, and Sony have partnered with Siemens to make this this um, headset, this spatial content creation system. Um, so I can see that they're. I think Apple's looking at the more kind of business tech engineering side. I think Sony's gone after the kind of more science engineering technology side. Yeah, I could maybe even medical. Um, use case, um, but certainly the I can see the like the Formula One, um, you know the, these mega sports with mega amounts of money, you know uh, the the big yacht races, you know p- p- these these technologies where they're building virtual models and stuff, you know stress testing things before they even go into service. I think that's really where Sony's going to target this device. This isn't a gaming device that I can see it's not a consumer device by any means purely from my watch of that very small initial release of it they may have may have other things in mind but it looks like a very high-end sort of technology device all of it yeah i mean that that space it feels like meta meta came along with the meta quest and that 300 hundred dollar price point that it's at and kind of established the bottom, I guess, you know, for for these kinds of headsets and what yep. the least that you can pay for it is, and now Apple and their app store and their app store was all games, all like games, Quest, for the most part, all yeah. games, yeah, all games. very very few, yeah. uh, certainly no business type things at that point with the Quest and the Quest Two. They're, they're obviously moving in that direction now, but mostly gaming, some social um, collaboration type stuff. But they certainly sent their benchmark as a consumer priced gaming i don't think apple and sony are thinking um consumers at this point with this, with these releases but that's it's interesting you say that right because all of apple's marketing material is squarely pointed at consumers it's entertainment it's you know hey you got a big a hundred inch flat screen sitting in front of you while you watch your Apple TV plus shows. Uh, you know, there was some enterprise in there where they showed people working in, in office type apps with them on this giant screen and all that. But it, but even those were consumers. Whereas it's interesting because you look at meta and meta with the meta quest, even though, like you pointed out, the app store is largely entertainment and gaming and all that their demos tend to be 
enterprise. <laughs> you know, it tends to be, hey, look at these people hanging out with their coworkers instead of in Zoom. They've got the headsets on, right? So there's a there's a, a disconnect there. Like you know, who's doing mm. what? I, I yeah, I feel like Apple's playing close to the a vest to their vest a lot, right? And they're because this is so new and apple is historically known for swooping in after an, a technology is already established like phones and tablets and headsets and all that and then just coming in and saying hey hold my beer boom and showing what a high-end crafted experience might be with that particular in that particular vertical maybe they're doing that here as well because but uh, you know Maybe they're doing it here and using the learnings from iPhone and all their other data around how people consume things and, of course, using their core competencies and operating systems and chipsets and all the things to kind of bring them to bear on this this one new category device, which, you know, if you look at the data from Meta, should fail. Right. <laughs> At least by <laughs> Apple's standards, you know, Apple's, you know, they're used to they're used to hitting home runs all the time. This one. I don't know. You know, there's price concerns. There's content concerns. There's all kinds of stuff for yeah. me. That's my pragmatic podcaster hat. If I take that off and put on my irrational exuberance hat, I you can't wait me. to try it. I, I want it. <laughs> I, I want it right now. I want to play with it. Uh, even if it sucks, I want to play with it because it's historic. You know, this is an Apple device like none before. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. No, I, agree, I, agree, I, I agree with all that. I definitely think that those early adopters are going to be um, the business use cases. Like, you know, I've got colleagues who, you know, love to, to work with, you know, f three, four large screens. You know, suddenly you look at the price of three, four monitors. You're suddenly getting close to the price of, you know, um, that kind of that kind of display. Is it comfortable enough to to do that? Right. Or you look at you look at home cinema. You look at the kind of price you could spend on uh, a projector, high end, you know, four K, eight K projector. You know, you could you spend way more than you would spend on one of these. But this is a single person device. Like home cinema isn't typically for multiple people. So. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see the work environment. I can see people buying it, you know, the business buying people uh, these headsets. I, I, I think we're a ways off from a, a consumer unit. Um, but, you know, people are dropping 2K on iPhones now. So who am I to That's true. know where that this is, is going? <laughs> that is true. Yeah, I'm excited. So, you know, we'll see. 2024 should be really interesting from the standpoint of where where AI is going. You know, by this by this time next year, I'm sure it'll be a completely different landscape in the AI world um, where VR and AR and XR are going. You know, because we'll have the Apple Vision. We'll have had it for a year and competitors will have come and gone and all that. So we'll have much more data. Right now, we're just in that. I feel like we're in that. Um, the night before Christmas mode, you know, we know there's gifts <laughs> under the tree with our name on it, but we have no idea what's in there. Right. And we cannot wait and can't sleep. So yeah, I don't know. New toys. We'll I look forward to our first episode where we're both wearing one. It'll be a strange one, but uh, <laughs> good luck. Good luck with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> here's the other thing I want to talk about in this from Canon. I don't know. Were, were you ever a Canon shooter in your previous life? I know you shot Hasselblad uh, and Nikon. Hasselblad, Nikon, now Fujifilm. I have used Canons. Um, mm -hmm. 
yeah, I've, I've used them a lot. I've never, I've never been an owner. I've used various loaners and stuff, but yeah, I was never. I put all my eggs in the, the Nikon basket. You know, it's like once you get a piece of glass, it's it's hard to it's, yeah, you're, jump you're, ship. You know, so um, but yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with using a lot of Canon gear. But that said, I've never used a Spad camera before. <laughs> Do explain. So that's in our notes. What to your to the best of your ability? What is a Spad camera? S P A D. Yeah, well, I, I love I love that it stands for single photon avalanche diode. I had to I had to look at notes. There was no there was no way I was going to with avalanche. <laughs> avalanche just sounds cool. I want one of those too, right? You know, it sounds really cool. It's a single photon avalanche diode. It's it sounds. Um, I mean, I'm not in any way up with the science of this, but reading the notes, it basically sounds like the ultimate opportunity for a camera to see an extremely, extremely, extremely low light. Um, and be able to capture photons at a resolution that maybe even the human eye can't, you know, can't recognize. And, and yeah. I think that's, that's what this is doing. It's, um, yeah, capturing super, you know, single photons of light at a resolution that we've, we've not seen before. Um, yeah. sounds like the technology's maybe been around for a while, but now they're kind of getting it into, uh, rather than taking up a whole room, getting into a, a camera body size and, and something that even has an interchangeable lens on it, you know, so. Yeah, I, I read that a couple times just trying to understand what the nugget is of what this thing is, what this technology um, SPAD is doing. And my brain tries to put it in this, like, based on their description, my brain is basically saying, oh, this is ray tracing. So they're, they're putting ray tracing into a consumer, like a consumer-ish or prosumer or enterprise level device. And if you don't know what ray tracing is, ray tracing is, um, it's the, uh, the, I don't know, science technology. It's, it's when computers can track the path of a photon and predict how it's going to relate, how it's going to react to any of the surfaces in its path and where it will end up and how it's going to scatter and all that. Every single photon in a scene, it can map that. In fact, uh, who are those guys that, um, that created that camera that was doing, uh, that God, who was it? It was a little tube. I can't remember. Anyway, I'll remember for the end of the episode, hopefully, or I'll put in the notes. Anyway, it tracks every every photon that's emitted. This camera or this SPAD sensor can track and predict where it's going to go. And it says, I'm reading the notes here. It says um, it's capable of capturing images of objects in color during the dead of night at distances of a mile and beyond. Yeah. A mile. Crazy distance. Right. A mile in color, in color <laughs> as well. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, just way beyond uh, what the human eye. Uh, I mean, I, I can't see things a mile away in in the middle of the day, let alone the dead of night. So, yeah, <laughs> incre incredible, um, bless you, an incredible. Um, I tried to. <laughs> <laughs> he missed the mute button. Um, again, it sounds like high end science hardware with lots of perhaps medical use already. It certainly sounds something that's gonna have a lot of military potential, um, which I'm sure is probably what's spearheading this technology where you know, you're gonna have your Apache 
pilot in his helicopter looking at a heads-up display coming through a SPAD camera that's capturing images from a mile away in color, right? That's that's probably where this kind of technology is being, uh, you know, driven. It's where a lot of technology gets its funding from initially. Um, what's the, why though? Why, Frederick? What's the use case? What do you need to photograph a mile away right now in color? Nothing. And, that, and that's what left me flat about it. That was why I yeah. came away from the weekend going, yeah, look, it's super impressive technology, but I'm a photographer. What? Uh, yeah, I don't get it. Maybe, you know, maybe, um, you know, there's some interesting, uh, you know, conceptual art or fine art type technologies, but, you know, is this going to help me take a portrait of someone? I wouldn't be taking a portrait of someone a mile away. I wouldn't be taking a yeah. landscape picture a mile away. Why not? If I'm going to be an outdoor landscape photographer, I want to be in the, the landscape. I want to be there experiencing it, not a mile away. And that's why it feels it feels feels like it's sniper technology. I, totally. I'm sure, that there's a, I'm sure there's a use case that's going to trickle down until eventually someone's going to tell me, well, it helps your, it helps your autofocus work faster in lower light. And that's maybe the spin-off from it. But as a, as a single technology, it left me flat. I'm not that yeah. excited about it. You know? I agree. 100% I, I agree. And when I read that, I thought, oh, two things. Uh, just what you said. This is this is not for photographers. This is for people that are looking to target things right? that are, 100%. That are yeah. far away. You know, so that's that's one thing. I would love to to hear a counter to that. So if you listeners, viewers, if you have a counter to that, let us know in the comments because I'm I'm curious. Like like Alistair said, what is the use case for this tech? Um, the other piece of it, though, Alistair, I was thinking science fiction. Like uh, you know, we're we're buildings better than our eyes for upcoming robots that are going to be AI, GPT driven <laughs> and superhuman vision and strength T1000s. and agility. T-1000, right? We're building T-1000s retinas. That's what this is. Yeah, quite <laughs> you know, possibly. Really, or, or surveillance, right? This is surveillance from a mile up. You can resolve what's on the ground, you know, with your drone, yeah. you know, whether you're a, you're government or not and and get a sailor image looking at this description one of the things that made me go in that that direction was it says um it says uh the technology is a photo counting technique that's been in development for decades canon's prototypes of spad sensors based around its 3.2 megapixel chip are some of the highest resolution examples and have accomplished impressive party tricks like capturing the movement of light as it travels through smoke, right? And all this at these ridiculous distances. Again, yeah. no seen no, through fog. Yeah. No creative is going to find a need for that that I can oh. think of, unless you're surveilling. Or oh doing something no, like that. I would say creatives in general can somehow find a way to utilize everything, right? You know the. You know the the mediums that we've used and experimented with. There's 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 going to be somebody out there, some super creative person that's going to find a, a really incredible use case scenario for this. But for the mainstream photography industry, I, I don't know. It just didn't excite me. We've got to remember Canon, Nikon, m many other brands, Fujifilm. They have they're they're not just you know camera manufacturers. They are optical manufacturers they have huge massive budgets in the medical world they have huge budget budgets in you know science military all that type of stuff so 
although it says Canon's bringing out another camera, I don't think we should automatically assume, assume and jump that oh, this is going to be another exciting opportunity for the consumer uh, and the you know the the art photographers amongst them. It may be that they have no intention of the, this ever being bought by um, you know. Uh, 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 landscape photographer or whatever but it may end up in some you know magnifying telescope for a space mission or something you know right yeah exactly it may end up in the next you know uh james webb telescope or something who knows yeah 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 yeah, yeah it's technology um all right well let's let's move on with cool, your, whatever you, would it, it is it's cool we'll see we'll see um <laughs> your your uh favorite from ces do you have any favorites out of there or is it just like wah, wah, you know <laughs> it really was wow wow I, I hate to say it there was nothing um not you know there's nothing tangible right there was there was lots of there was lots of hints and allegations and teases of things but nothing that you could say, oh, I'm excited. Like Nikon, I mean, you know, the, there's, you know, talk of the, was it the H, the Z9H? But again, it yep. was rumors and, you know, nothing official from, from the brand themselves. So, um, you know, the things that you could probably have guessed were probably going to come, you know, we knew there was going to be an improvement to the Z9 coming. Um, so the fact that it's teased or rumored is no big surprise, but there was nothing physical uh to get that excited but I, I can't honestly nothing probably one of the one cs where i didn't say oh i'm gonna put that on my list there was there was nothing i've added to my list of of things i want i hate i hate to sound so so negative about it it's we're, we're at the start of the year cs is always super super early in the year right which yeah. is a good thing is a bad thing um camera manufacturers all now have strange cycles of production cycles some you know and some don't even have a cycle right we're we're kind of familiar with apple's cycle of when they're going to launch stuff um throughout the year but camera manufacturers have been you know pretty erratic over the last few years especially you know with um you know supply issues with products and chips and materials and that type of stuff so um who knows when things are going to get announced now throughout the year we've still got trade trade show season within the photography world kicking off with, with some of the, the the kind of trade events coming up over the next couple of months um but I, I, I don't see cameras being camera camera manufacturers being beholden to these events the way they used to be um they can launch whenever they want with throwing their own events or um you know putting putting lots of money behind the the, the social marketing of these events so uh, maybe we should get used to not being so blown away by ces every year which is sad but that's you know maybe the way the way things are moving yeah, we got to have something to tell our grandkids. And in my day, we used to have trade shows, and they were big. And we had all... <laughs> and now, well, we listen, forget the grandkids. I already tell my kids that, you know, because you know, back in the Photokina, every two years in Germany, was that was when you had some of the biggest announcements ever from camera manufacturers. That's it right. was the trade show. It's gone. Doesn't exist anymore. You know, we're seeing less and less footfall, footfall through the the more traditional trade shows for photography. Uh, throughout the year so um yeah i think the smart the smart brands are just taking that budget and doing their own cool marketing around you know whatever suits their manufacturing cycle rather than trying to 
fit into a box to have it ready for CES. Yes, look, there's no doubt there's huge opportunities at CES because the, the entire world's media are there, but I don't think it's the, the be-all, end-all for, for a brand to, to have to launch at CES anymore. Yeah, yeah, well, those days are... Those days are gone. Um, let's wrap up with uh, some outside of CES picks, you know, our picks of the week segment. So uh, anything that you want to recommend at this beginning of the year that people should consider looking at or that you just found ridiculously interesting you want to share with the TWIP crowd? What, what's I find, pick of the week? I, I find this ridiculously fun. It's a shame that I, I discovered it after holiday season because it would have been a great gift. I'm not even sure if it was launched, but then I think it's launched pretty recently. But there's a really fun little campaign uh, brand collaboration between Lego and Polaroid at the moment. And you can now build your own little Polaroid camera, which comes complete with exposed Polaroid uh, film with it as well. Um, you know, Lego are going hard after the adult, you know, builders. Um, they have, uh, they have. I don't know if you're familiar. Lego has a a, a section that they call uh, A Falls. Are you familiar with this, Frederick? No, I don't think so. A Falls. No. Do you know what an A Fall is? No, an no. A Fall is an adult friend of Lego. So A F O L, an adult friend of Lego, um, because there's their huge growth area is in adults buying Lego. Well, who else can afford a you know thousand dollar Death Star, right? It's typically adults that are building these. So they're they're spending a lot of money now, moving towards you know um, you know being able to build plants out of Lego and you know pieces of artwork for your walls, um, you know. You know, older guys like you and I wanting to buy, build, you know, Lamborghinis out of Lego and spend six hundred bucks on it, that type of thing. So they're definitely going after the the older uh, audience pretty hard. And this kind of nostalgia trip in partnership with Polaroid, I thought was was pretty fun, pretty cool. It would look yeah. good on my shelf. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. When I first, when you first showed me this, I was thinking, oh, does it actually take photos? Can you really? Oh, did like you know that's. Could you imagine if if you could actually do it? Can't be, you know, there, there can't be that many moving parts and say the Polaroid camera. It'd be kind of fun to get them inside a uh, a Lego kit. When I first saw it, that was actually what popped to my mind. It was like, oh, really, really, a, a working? No, no, it's just a building thing. But still pretty cool. Yeah, fun little thing. Yeah. So you're gonna get one? Yeah, I think so. It's gonna go on my list. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My my big brother is a uh, we just call it. Uh, adult friend of lego he's a uh, he likes yeah. to he likes to build the cars so he has a you know a jay leno type installation of lego cars in his in his place in chicago so that's pretty cool you go you go visit a lego store and the price of some of these kits wow impressive been there huge been there. yeah yeah, yeah. My, my daughter is a lego person and uh you know she scoffs at anything that says under 18 and under 2,000 pieces and she's 10 so <laughs> like, <laughs> and you know what that means cost-wise right that's uh yeah. it's, not, it's not cheap at all um, we, usually, we have a we have a house full of like we have like 
buckets and buckets and buckets of Lego. Lego that was once mine as a kid. You know, just, I can't even imagine how many hundreds of thousands of pieces of Lego. But now it's all about buying these specific kits where back in my day, back when I was a kid, you got, you know, you got given a design and you had to build it yourself from the pieces you had. Now you have to buy the kits and it's just putting together the shape. I don't know. It's losing a little bit of its excitement. It's a problem, man. For me, it's a, I mean, this is a complete non sequitur and off topic, but like when you when you don't have a giant mansion, you know, with a with a display room to show all your Lego <laughs> constructions, what you do you do with these massive things after they're done? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, you know, like living and paying, you know, a mortgage to house your Lego. Like what? Yeah. What, what do you do with them? You know, I realized, I realized, rebuild stuff like what I realized we're just sounding like two old grumpy guys today. Like, you know, I, I, you know, I wasn't excited about CS, forgive me, but you know, I do like the Polaroid piece of Lego. So let's, let's, you know, let's, uh, what about your pick? Have you got something super exciting that's going to make us all (sighs) like, oh, yes, this is great. And I can't wait to buy that. And, no, 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 it's it's been like that for me too. Yeah, usually, usually I have a pick, but usually my pick is like, oh, look at this thing I just got. You got to get this because it's ridiculous. Um, maybe that will come soon, but no, I haven't. There hasn't been anything that has like knocked my socks off. That has been well, hardware for sure. Some software things have knocked my socks mm-hmm. off. You know, particularly in the AI space. You know, like um, Eleven Labs comes to mind. We've talked about mm-hmm. them with their their AI voice generation. It's just incredible. Some of the things, and I look at these these technologies as they start showing up in little bits, like voices here and realistic face rendering here and holding a conversation and crossing the uncanny valley or the you know it it just all that stuff feels like it's all pointing to a direction of data from star trek coming to life you know we're just we're ultimately we're going to have these entities that we can have a maybe they won't be robots but we'll have these entities that we can have full-on conversations with that feel every bit as real as a human, like her with Scarlett Johansson and Joaquin Phoenix, mm. right? I feel like that Part- is on the horizon. So well, apparently we'll we're see. going to be talking to rabbits. But anyway, what's your pick? What's going to my what, pick? What are we going to my pick yeah. is my pick is this OWC um, card reader, which has shifted the way that I deal with uh, with data on my my laptop. So this guy here. So this is the OWC, and I'll do. A, I'll put a screenshot up. This is the OWC Atlas FXR, and in this one, I have a, tw- a two terabyte um, CF card stuck in there. And uh, the way, the reason that this has changed. Here you go. This is how it comes out. The reason that mm-hmm. this has changed the way that I do do things, Alistair, is because. For several years prior to this, I've basically taped a two terabyte SD card to the back of my MacBook Pro and plug mm-hmm. it in. And that's how that's where all twips get edited. Any current projects I'm working on happen on an external drive. It, you know, it was a solid state SSD. I've moved to removable now. So it, just as fast or faster, this card, this card is 3,650 megabytes per second. Um, is that megabytes or megabits? Um, on the read and on the write, it's 3,000. 
So this is faster than the drive that I've been, I've been using forever, which was a SanDisk drive. But this gives me the flexibility of being able to swap in and swap out. It, and I leave it, one I, of yeah. these attached to the back of the computer at all times, which is great. Mm. So it's, it's kind of changed how I do things. So instead of like, oh, because I have two of these now. I have one on the desk and one connected to the, to, to the computer. Now I just pull this thing out and go. And everything's good. And this Super obviously tiny. goes in the SSDs. nighttime as well. Yep. Yeah, SSDs. So yeah, this is the OWC Atlas FXR. And it's built like a tank. Very simple. One side, your your card goes in. The other side, your USB-C port. <laughs> you know, and that's it. And it just works. Made out of, feels like a single piece of milled aluminum. I'm sorry, aluminum. Um, but, yep. uh, yeah, but it's great. Great. Through USB 3.2. And it works. I've been using it for months and months. And it is... It is the best upgrade that I've, I've used for this MacBook. My MacBook doesn't have a whole lot of storage in it to begin with. Mm -hmm. It's a corporate MacBook, right? So it's not, it's not loaded and specced out to the gills as I would if I was buying it. But with this, I'm there. I get everything I need yeah. with just this, and I feel like I'm a little safer. You can't, well. Yeah, and you can't update MacBooks now. You can't add more storage to them because it's all soldered in. But yep. you know that's that's good because yeah, it, it takes away. It gives you the flexibility of leaving the 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 reader there, but you know swapping the cards back and forward rather than being stuck with a an SSD permanently on that. It's pretty cool. I'll check it out. I haven't seen I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, so I'll share that um, as my pick, and then also just as a as a stocking stuffer pick, on the back of my MacBook Pro, I have uh, a little drive holder that's stuck on there with kind of that, you know, the, the gecko removable film. Uh, but that's on there and I just basically slide this drive into it. I have a short, a short uh, right angle cable that mm -hmm. plugs in. Let me show that. So this is a right angle cable that plugs into the side of my MacBook Pro. We put on some contrast, there you go, right there. Um, and then the other end to the drive. And I'll link this cable as well because this, this is an aftermarket cable. But that cable, that drive, it, and with the little thing that sticks on the back of the MacBook Pro, done. You know, everything I need, yeah, all my data is there. It's all backed up. Everybody's happy. So cool. Man. Excellent. Well, it. hopefully hopefully next week we'll be back with a super exciting, pumping episode of things that we're <laughs> excited to get our hands on and try and talk about. But, yeah. Hey, it's not, real. Not this, this week reality. after CES. We don't make stuff up here. It's reality. This is how we're feeling. So. <laughs> yeah, hopefully there'll be some exciting stuff to chat about next week. Um, so we'll leave it there. Alistair, thank you again. I'm looking forward to a year of great conversations like this uh, as, we, as we press forward. And, uh, you know, as you know, I'm going to try to introduce um, other voices into this conversation as well. So it won't always just be you and I. Sometimes it'll be you and I and another person that is that is related to the topic du jour for that week. So yeah, looking forward good. to it. got lots of good stuff, lots of good stuff planned. Hey, uh, one last thing, you know about this, uh, coming up next month, someone's having a birthday that we're going to start yes. teasing as we lead up to this. Who's having a birthday someone's... that we know somebody in the family. I don't know. Who is it? Mm, I think they're, I think they're turning 20. 20 years old. Yes. Mm. Yes. Our friends. Just a youngster. Are, are just a youngster. Yeah. Our friends over at Flickr are hitting their 20th. 
you know so that'll be that'll be next month and we're doing some special stuff you'll hear about it here on the on the podcast and on the website and of course you know everywhere related to smug mug flicker um, but there's some special stuff going down next month, so keep your ear to the ground as mm-hmm. it comes cl- as it comes closer, because the Flickr team is a buzz with activity. So yeah, and you might have a have an opportunity to catch up with Frederick and I in real life somewhere around the world. So hmm. where could that be? Hmm. <laughs> a hint? I'm not leaving my state, right? <laughs> or me? Hmm. Or you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cool, man. All right, Alistair. Thanks again, man. It's always a pleasure. Okay, cheers, buddy. Yeah, you have a good one, and I will see you next week, my friend. This is Twitter.